This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. I didn't know if teachers were able to make public comment for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I I remember I called Wendy about something and I and 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 I think I asked you that question. You're like, yes. You can, like you're a citizen, you can make public comments. So just a reminder to educators, you can make public comments. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two, interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So for today's essential question, we have, how can we better understand the anatomy of a school district in order to access levers of power and be more effective advocates in our local schools? We are so excited to welcome two special guests today. Uh, the first is Bethany Rivard, who has taught English language arts and theater at, For- at Fort Vancouver High School Center for International Studies for the past 16 years. During that time, she has advised a myriad of student-led clubs, including such things as Mecha, uh, GSA, Word Up Writing Club, Drama Club, and Performing Arts Club. She's a nationally board certified teacher. She was a 2016 Regional Teacher of the Year for Southwest Washington and the Washington State 2019 NEA Foundation Award for Teaching Excellent Recipient. Bethany was appointed by Governor Jay Inslee to the Professional Education Standards Board, PESB, if I remember correctly, in 2017, as we often call it. Uh, She's a delegate for Vancouver Educational Association on the Southwest Washington Central Labor Labor Council and was recognized as Union Member of the Year by the Labor Roundtable of Southwest Washington. Bethany is also the mother of two fabulous Gen Z children and lives in Vancouver, Washington. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for being here, Bethany. And also, I think we were joined by Bethany's dog. Um, Bethany's dog heard <laughs> that she was being introduced and was like, I'm here too. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You no, want to introduce I'll your dog? Yeah, you never have to apologize for a dog cameo. <laughs> oh, and a mother of two. Not so, I mean, mostly good dogs. <laughs> Perfect. That should have been added in. They were like, we are here. Uh, we're also welcoming Wendy Smith, who was first elected as Vancouver Public Schools Director in 2017. As a classroom teacher of 17 years and the mother of two, she understands firsthand experience what children and communities do better when strong school boards use leadership and initiative to serve their students first. A product of VPS, she was first in her family to graduate from college, earning two degrees from the University of Washington and a master's in secondary education from Washington State University. She has been an active leader in her local labor union, including serving as PAC director. Wendy has dedicated her life to public education and is committed to creating a school system that is equitable for all, responsive to community needs, and provides students an innovative, excellent education that will prepare them as future leaders, thinkers, creators, and engaged citizens. And with that, you have my vote. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you for the stump speech. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, 
we are just so excited to have you both here. Thanks for taking the time to kind of sit down with us and chat about the inner workings of a school district. Um, and just to give some context, our last two episodes were really educator focused, talking about back to school. What do we hope to see this next year moving into um, this next school year after COVID? And was really educator focused. And our hope for today's episode is that we can unpack the roles and responsibilities of the different levels of leadership within a school district because it's complicated. And we know whenever there's a governmental system, it gets real heavy with bureaucracy. Um, And so I think that Now more than ever, it feels like we have so much information, Mm -hmm. um, but we don't know what to do with it. And so I think the first step when it comes to education is understanding who does what and what power do they have. So you know where to go, what channels to approach if you are trying to advocate for the um, educational system in your community, regardless of whether you have children or not. Um, regardless of whether you're a parent, regardless of whether you're an educator. So that's kind of the goal for today's episode. And then hopefully kind of end the episode with some action steps that people could take if they feel compelled to. And first and foremost, I want to get out of the way as a reminder, education is a reserved power. As the history teacher here, I'll just um, reserve power, meaning it's a state power. And I think a lot of people get confused because there is a federal department of education. But really, their mm-hmm. power comes from, um, I always tell my students, manipulation through mandates of funding. So they can't force states to do something, but they can, like, you know, twist their arm and bribe them through really like millions of dollars. So that's kind of, we're going to be focusing on like the state level um, and local school districts. So after all of that being said, we're going to be kind of focusing on state legislature, school board, superintendent, principals and admin, and then really ground level, the teachers. Um, my, my initial question is just um, what kind of relationship do you see or what's your perspective of the relationship between these entities? What, um, how do they interact with each other? What, what relationships do they have? Well, I just want to start off by saying that I had no idea how anything interacted (laughs) when I first started teaching. I mean, I didn't even, I, I just, I, I had, it's somehow magically, came together and I had gripes about certain things, but I didn't know how to deconstruct where, you know, things went. And for me, my first step was um, in the teacher of the year program uh, with, with Nate and with Hillary Seidel, who um, ran that program. And when they were like, who are your local legislature legislators? And I have to say that I was like, I have to look it up. You know, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And since then I've learned a lot of things that I wish I had known from the beginning of my teaching career. Um, And so that was really the first step. That was like the exact first step for me. And then, you know, there was really like charts written up like this governmental entity does this, this does this. And it was all news to me. Mm. So I think Wendy might've started at a, you know, more advanced place than that, but all my learning came within the last five years really of how education works at that level. Yeah, I think, well, I, I, I'm a social studies teacher, so I think I probably had a, maybe a better um, insight in terms of systems and, and all the different layers and, and roles people play. Uh, but I will say that in terms of the kind of the realities of being a teacher in the classroom, I mean, that's what 
I I used to do the the pack, you know, pitches right to join the pack for the teachers. Um, and that's always what everything we do in the classroom is political. Everything it's touched in some way by politics. Um, but I think people are becoming more aware of that. Certainly within the last few years, as Bethany said. Um, and I think over the last year with the pandemic, as a school board director, one of the things that has been um, a positive from the pandemic is that school boards were doing, um, well, not just school boards, but all layers of government were doing things remotely. And so people could Zoom, right, and watch yeah. and see government in action mm-hmm. from their homes. Um, and so I think people are starting to feel a little bit closer to government, um, which is a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting um, because I think that now more than ever, um, people that don't have children feel more connected to the educational system in schools because when schools were closed, I think that the ripple effect, man, everybody <laughs> had a stake in whether schools were functioning well, whether schools were, whether district leadership were doing what they said they were going to do, whether they had safe plans in place. And I think the the, the pandemic really had... Um, a role in focusing people that maybe had never thought about um, a school district systems <laughs> into really wanting to unpack that and figure out what in the world is going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering I, I think, if... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was ahead. just going to say, I think that's true for parents too. I think parents mm-hmm. have been able to connect mm-hmm. with their children's classroom and their children's teachers in a way that they never really... I mean, I know I did as a parent. Like mm-hmm. I could see every day what they were doing, what they were working on, what kind of lessons they were doing, how well they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it, it really made a stronger connection across the board, people who have kids in the in the system and, and those who don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love your point about how that's, some, that's one of the positive outcomes from this pandemic is just that um, connection. What I write down that government is in action and you can see it from home um, because you're able mm-hmm. to tap in. I'm wondering yeah. if you both could could speak a little bit to why the heck, uh, why, what prompted you to run for a school board to begin with? Um, I don't know. Either one of you can start. <laughs> well, I'll ran, I, I, I ran first. Yeah, I think. <laughs> okay. um, honestly, there was this moment of panic um, when the, the person whose seat I hold, she um, announced very publicly that she was not running for re-election. Uh, and she was the one person on the board that I liked, that I trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this moment of, what are we going to do without her? Uh, and as right as my children were starting to go into public schools, right? This is right as my daughter was going into kindergarten. Um, and so it was a little scary for a moment. And then it's something that I had been thinking about doing for a long time. I mean, it really fits perfectly <laughs> in my wheelhouse in terms of being a, a social mm-hmm. studies teacher that teach, teaches government and um, being politically active in my union and um, and just politically active um, locally. Uh it just kind of, it kind of fit. So it was something I was planning on doing for a long time. I wasn't planning on doing it in 2017, uh, <laughs> but an opportunity literally opened up on the board. Um, and so I, I went for it and I'm really glad I did. Uh, it, it was not a friendly board to join, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a comfortable situation for a, a while, but um, thankfully that changed. <laughs> it has changed significantly. Well, um, yeah, I, you know, it's all because of Wendy, really. And like I said, you know, the last, I guess it was, you know, from 2015 on, I've been kind of on a crash course journey of just learning um, about about the systems of educations and the levers in the state and local politics. And and Wendy, um, 
you know, Wendy Smith was a teacher that was on a school board. And I was like, you know, it doesn't have to be a group Mm -hmm. of business people Mm -hmm. who are, you know, regulating what, you know, you know, reigning in the teachers and, you know, all Mm -hmm. of these things. And, um, and it just, I was like, well, of course, someone who is in the classroom really should be, you know, at the head Mm -hmm. of, of making some decisions for schools and, you know, and, uh, and our community. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, you know, the strikes of 2018, yeah. um, put a bunch of teachers in Southwest Washington and elsewhere. I know Tacoma too on the street. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, Wendy was the only school board member who did not vote to, uh, frighten and threaten teachers with taking away healthcare and messing with their, mm-hmm. you know, ability to, um, take care of themselves. So, uh, she really became a champion and a hero. And I think woke up a lot of our community educators to um, mm. the systems that 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 really take place in our in our jobs. And, you know, then they translate to our personal lives. So, you know, Wendy, Wendy kind of started a domino effect of educators running for office, um, including myself, including another member of the Vancouver Public School Board. Um, And they just recently appointed um, one of my former students who actually I had my first year of teaching, Sandra Zavala Ortega, um, who is a mom of two, uh, a mom of a kid with special needs who worked in the Family Resource Center for the district. I mean, so there are these decisions have really turned the district mm. around. And even though I didn't win my race, I will say that the, um, I, I'm so grateful to have gone through that, mm-hmm. uh, to, through the whole process because it really opened my eyes. And now I go into the, even though I don't teach history, I teach uh, literature and I teach theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to really help my students mm-hmm. grow as leaders and involve them in politics in a way that I hadn't been able to before. And uh, so I think it's, it's just really, you know, we all as educators, I think have the obligation to educate ourselves about our own, you know, systems. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I think that's actually the perfect segue into the next question. I kind of want to take it one step back, go to the bird's eye view of just what, does a school board do? What is the unique power of a school board that no other piece in the puzzle has? Why why should people care about who is elected to the school board? Yeah, I think that, I mean, unique is a good way to put it because every school board is going to be different. Um, But school boards essentially have as much or as little power as they're willing to take. Uh, I mean, there are some, there are some, you know, there's some laws that kind of give guidance about what the role of the school board is, the role of the superintendent mm-hmm. is, but the reality is that the school board hires and fires the superintendent. So school board mm-hmm. can more or less get whatever it is that they want. Um, and so you have, I mean, there's all kinds of stories of uh, people running for school boards, taking over school boards with a very, very specific agenda in mind, usually not right. very public school friendly um, agendas. And then you also have on the other end of the spectrum school boards uh, that are very passive and don't do a whole lot and just kind of let the superintendent run everything. You've got every, like the whole spectrum right. of very controlling to very lax. Um, but it really is up to the school board what they want to be. Uh, why are school boards so important is because for that very reason, right? You don't want a super, super controlling school board with one specific agenda. And you don't want a laxative school board that's not doing anything. Uh, you want, you know, the happy medium. Uh, but it's really important to pay attention to who's on your school board because it can have such a huge um, change and effect on what happens 
Wendy really has so much knowledge in this area. Um, and for me, what I see, like, let's just take, for instance, the Vancouver Public School Board now, which is really made up of people very invested in education personally, um, whether they're educators, former educators, you know, parents with kids in the district, former students, like all of these things. Um, what you're getting is all of these different perspectives. And the, the difference that I see with this school board and previous school boards in the Vancouver Public Schools is that they're bringing in other people and really getting um, really getting a lot of information from parents and community members on a myriad of different issues and remote learning and all of these things. So it's an open forum for discussion. And I really have not seen that before. And I, I was a little bit, um, I think, spoiled in the professional educator standards board because PESBY is made up of solely educators. Right. And so when we bring something, you know, to our attention, it's like people from K, uh, you know, pre-K to higher ed and we're, you know, talking about it. And it's a similar feel to this board. And I think that is just exactly how it should be. Um, and just that ability, um, that ability for teachers to weigh in is new for me too on the Vancouver mm -hmm. Public School Board, mm -hmm. really listening to um, those who are in the classroom on the grounds, uh, working with those students day in and day out. So it, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've literally seen a progression of what can happen in a school board and, and how how a school board can turn a district around in a really positive direction. So I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking about what did your experience for both of you, what did your experience as a teacher give you in terms of equipping you for what you then are facing on school board or in school board races? And I'm curious, like, if you want to also layer in your advocacy and union work, how do those things prepare you? But also we can talk about where you were surprised. But let's start first with, like, how did you feel prepared or what what did you bring with you? Yeah, I think that, um, like I said earlier, because I teach government, I think I had a little bit more um, a better sense of how to connect the two. Uh, but as a teacher, I think that, I mean, this is still true and, and we are we are very grateful on the board I serve now. We have three educators on the board where we had none before. Um, you know the kinds of questions to ask. You know, when you're talking about policy or decisions, you know how it's going to translate into the classroom. Um, that's just huge. I can't tell you like during the pandemic, all of the conversations we had, all of the different yeah. questions that were being asked it would have been a completely different sort of process if we didn't have educator voices on the board. Um, and I would say the same for parents. Uh, when I joined the board, we had uh, one, one other board member who had a high school graduating high school student and that was it. Nobody, I mean, they hadn't had children in the district for a long, long time. And so right. having that parent perspective and I, um, was also incredibly valuable. It has been incredibly valuable, but just being able to um, in those discussions, translate what's what we're talking about into the classroom. Okay, but what's this gonna look like? How are teachers gonna access these supports? How are students gonna mm -hmm. access these supports? How are parents gonna access these supports? Mm -hmm. um, and and how is it gonna impact the day-to-day -day realities um, that we're all, you know, that we all gotta live. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's been really, really, really valuable, uh, especially in the last year. How about for you, how about you for you, Bethany? What do you feel like um, in terms of being a teacher has helped you um, in this process or even your union advocacy? Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to uh, the first time I read a union contract where I was like, oh, wow, I had 
no idea. Like these are the things, you know, these are the things that we're working for in a union, like safe places to work, um, you know, things that are beneficial for the kids, like smaller class sizes and services for students. Um, And when we're in a building, uh, we know we know why that's important. We know why um, making sure that our classrooms are safe places to teach um, is important. So when you have a board, you know, full of people with that ability to kind of see policy on the top, just like Wendy said, like drift down right into the classroom, that is, um, that's a really, it's an amazing and wonderful ability to have because otherwise you're just kind of shooting blind. I mean, if I was on the board of a, let's say hospital, uh, that I, as a teacher in a classroom teaching literature, I don't know that I would have the perspective of, let's say a nurse that's working or a doctor that's working on the front lines. I mean, in many ways it's, it's, it's a similar thing. Mm -hmm. I have expertise. I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, like an, an analogy that might help some people understand the, the systemic structure of it all is like thinking about it like a, a business, right? That the the school board is the board of directors for a company. The superintendent is like the CEO, right? Like, and so the school board really um, runs as the oversight over what's happening in the district. It runs as oversight over the CEO, over the superintendent who is running the district, making decisions, is the day-to-day boss, and, and then the school board are the elected, it's the public having oversight over what's happening. And um, I just love all the insight that you all have. And, and one thing that I do want to point out, I'm not sure if people realize, I didn't realize until I became a teacher, is that not every state runs the same way that Washington does. It's actually built into Washington law that each local district gets to have autonomy in the decisions that they make. And there are some states that the enti- the state makes the decisions for all of the school districts in that state, um, which is why you have states that all teachers are on the same pay scale. So in Washington, mm-hmm. that's not the case, right? The, the, in Washington, that's a relationship between the school board and the teachers union. And the negotiations that happen in that um, contract negotiation. There are other states that that's not the case. And so I just wanted to like to to bring up and, and focus on that also unique um, that unique relationship in Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- also, as you're talking, I was thinking a little bit about my work at Clover Park Education Association. One of the things we had a difficult time was getting teachers to run for positions. Um, and a large part of that was people are busy and mm-hmm. people are trying to teach. <laughs> do the job is really really hard I, yeah, I know and school board I mean school board you make so much money right <laughs> does everybody <laughs> yeah. Everybody, oh, yeah everybody knows it's yeah you doing it for the fame there's and no, money right there's no money there's I would no say money. not everybody nobody. knows that it's volunteer I have lots of people who want to meet you know in my office and, and during the middle of the day I'm like I, I don't do this as a job this is not my job <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I wonder, um, I wonder what, what do you think are the, the things that kind of get in people's way for getting more involved in school board races, um, whether it's running or just in supporting campaigns? Yeah, I think um, I very much experienced that right as a candidate. And I again, I had a little bit more insight because I had done that work um, with the PAC, my, you know, the WEA uh, PAC and um and I understood government a little bit more. And I had some connections to our labor uh, community in the area. And I had some connections to uh, some political connections in the area. Um, but even as, even with that, um, 
I had all kinds of people questioning. I had so many people, like the idea of a teacher on a school board was so foreign to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were a lot of people who were resistant to the idea. It's a conflict of interest. Um, I had a lot of people like, you're supposed to, you have to meet during the day. How do you do that if you're working full time? And I'm like, if you can't do this, and have a full-time job, that's not representative government anymore. It has to be accessible hey, to you know, regular hey, people. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I had all kinds of people questioning whether I should be running, if I could run. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are super excited about it, but there's a lot of naysayers too. Um, and I, w- I was able to get through it. Two years later, um, in 2019, I, there were, because of the strikes in large part in 2018, first who were talking to me about, oh, I think maybe I'll run for that's something I want to do. So any idea of even how to begin. And so I actually, um, he was one of my, <laughs> my guinea pigs. Um, uh, we put together a whole series of um, seminars, essentially, mm. literally walked people through how you run. Mm-hmm. Here are the things you need to know about. Here's the process. I'm getting an unstable. Okay. Um, here's the process. Here are the steps. Um, because I didn't want anybody to have any excuse to feel like they shouldn't or they couldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it can feel very overwhelming and intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. Um, so just to make it accessible to people. Um, and consequently, we had a huge turnover in our board. Um, we almost got back the need there. <laughs> that one was so frustrating. Uh, but it was just an opportunity to to show people, yes, you can do this and you should do this and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be scared or nervous because we're gonna we're gonna walk you through and we're gonna be your kind of your cheering section and, and help you get through it. Mm-hmm. Are those um, webinars and trainings available for a broader Washington? No, or no, that would have been very that would have been very um, that would have been some foresight. This was pre Zoom and all of that, right? <laughs> we just did it in person. Yeah, um, that, that was the thing we had with me. Um, that was the thing we were struggling with. We finally had recruited a teacher who was eligible in Clover Park District to eligible to run for the, a particular position that was open because they had divided up. You had to live in a certain neighborhood for the, each of the positions. Mm-hmm. I know every district's slightly different when it comes to that. Um, and it, that was the ch- well, that was one of the biggest challenges is finding resources to support her, not just financially, um, but also just to make it even possible to run. And then to get her name out, she was running against someone who is still there all these years later because he's <laughs> essentially an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and making his way. Yeah, you can't give up hope though. Way. We had an institution on our board and he's not there anymore. So. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. so this feels like, I, I think that you both have wonderfully laid out why it matters that teachers are running for school board, what it is that you do, how beneficial it is to have people on school, the school board that know how a classroom runs and know what, know the like heartbeat of a school. This feels like a really good spot to take a break. And then when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. 
If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're gonna get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you wanna learn more, visit movetotacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. Um, all right, and we're back. Uh, Bethany, you have some important news to tell us before we jump back into our topic. I do. You know, I just subscribed to Channel 253 because I had been listening to interchangeable white ladies and nerd farmer every week. And I thought, hey, I live in Vancouver, Washington, but I'm getting my education from Tacoma. So I subscribed to Channel 253 and you should too. Whoop, whoop, Perfect. Whoop. Thank That's you. Awesome. Sign up, y'all. Sign up. Sign up. <laughs> so I think to bring us back into the conversation, um, We've kind of talked about the powers of the school board, but what um, what would you say are some common challenges that school boards face that maybe the public doesn't usually see? Like kind of mm. lifting the hood of on the car to everybody of, you know, what's what's challenging for school boards? Uh, well, I think that the time can be. Um, I don't, like I said earlier, people don't realize this isn't a full-time job that we're just volunteering. And so- mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people get upset with me because it took me a couple of days to respond to their email. I'm like, I don't have time necessarily every night to sit down and respond. Um, uh, the, the time commitment um, can be really challenging and, and depending on the board um, can be um, almost impossible for a, like someone working during the day. Um, and mm -hmm. that was a big change that, that we had to make on our board to make it more accessible just for our board directors. <laughs> um, and I think that the relationship between the board and the superintendent can also be, can be challenging. Hopefully it's not, but it can be challenging depending on um, the, uh, and I say this because we just literally just hired a new superintendent a couple of few months ago. Um, that relationship between a new newly hired superintendent and a board is fantastic. I mean, it's like, we're still in the honeymoon period right now. <laughs> like right? Yeah. We're all completely in love with each other and happy with our situation, but um, that was not true for the superintendent before. And as our board changed, um, he had a really hard time mm. um, changing with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that relationship between the board and the superintendent is so important. And sometimes uh, it's it's just, it, it can be very damaging in many ways. I think um, just watching from, you know, the outside now, um, the Vancouver School Board deal with the public um, health issues that are going on right now and coming back to school. And I've really been, you know, feeling for them. I don't know if Wendy wanted to talk about this at all, but, um, you know, it's, it's also, it's also something that's created some movement to, about among educators and families that are kind of standing up and saying, no, we want our kids to be safe in school. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, stressful. <laughs> the, the balancing of, of different, um, opinions and different ideas and different priorities is always, I mean, that's always challenging mm -hmm. too. Um, I think that that has been magnified in many ways mm -hmm. over the last year, year and a half. Uh, right. what's interesting is that, um, 
nobody runs for school board thinking I'm going to serve during a pandemic. Like that's just not something you're ever prepared for. Uh, but it, what was interesting about the, the whole situation was the, the spectrum of opinions. And so you didn't necessarily have a clear division of, of what people thought, right? So you mm. had people on schools need to be shut down and you had people on the side of schools need to reopen. But even among those two mm-hmm. sides, there was so much diversity in terms of how should schools reopen and how should, how long or, or the process. And um, there was just no clear anything. <laughs> so as a school board, um, we had to figure out what our priorities were and hope that the community agreed, right? And our priority obviously was the safe and, and the, the safe and health of our, of our staff and our students. Um, and our community at large, mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to the health of our mm-hmm. community as well, mm-hmm. right? Because we can very easily become super spreader sites. Um, but there's, you know, it's, it's now pivoting away from the pandemic. I think most people are on board with safety protocols. Most people want their schools to be healthy places um, and understand that masks are small price to pay for that, for example. Now we're pivoting to other questions away from the pandemic, things like CRT and um, mm-hmm. sex ed and things like that, um, where there is a little bit clearer divide between where what people are thinking, um, but still very, very strong opinions. So learning how to balance that and also stay focused, like set your priorities, set your values, and then stay focused on that and understand that that's why we have elections. And, and I guess if I don't win an election, then I'm not the right representative to be there. Um, mm-hmm. so not getting kind of swayed by all of the political theatrics that go on, especially going on right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this, as you're talking, it makes me think about, um, a little bit more, if we could talk a little bit more about how you relate to the other stakeholders. So essentially a school board hires a superintendent and you guys have this interesting relationship. That's pretty standard, I think, but you, as you mentioned, there's a lot of control in some regards when it comes to superintendent, some, some school boards are more controlling than others. Mm-hmm. What does that mean in terms of the way a school board relates to all the other functioning like how do you hear from people your public you mentioned emails coming in and I think most listeners get that you can email a school board member and they get that you have these meetings monthly that you can like show up to or drop in on um but what does it mean when it comes to like actually hearing from people and how people can raise their voices and advocate for the issues whether it's something we you know agree with each other or not like how can they actually advocate for those things that they care about what would you say I would say um First of all, don't be so, don't be dismissive of email and public comment. Um, those are actually very very valuable yeah. tools um, and and powerful tools to use. Um, like we we read them all. We you know like so those are two easily accessible ways to connect with your school board, connect with your superintendent. Can I add one thing, Wendy? Too that maybe I didn't know since you're bringing up like you know public comment. I didn't know if teachers were able to make public comment for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I I remember I called Wendy about something and I, and, 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 and I think I asked you that question and you're like, yes, you can, (laughs) like you're a citizen, you can make public comment. So just a reminder to educators, you can make public comments. Well, did did you feel like you couldn't because you were out, like stepping out of the union role? Like, is that the role of the union? Like the union should represent teachers. Therefore we can't just Mm -hmm. go show up and they are and also the culture at the time you know when he was the only educator on the board it was very much like um there there were protocols and and there you weren't supposed to step outside Mm -hmm. of your role um and so that's really how the district was 
functioning at the time. And so I felt a little afraid to, but you know, you, you can't in any board, a teacher can make public comment. So I didn't know that. And now I think teachers feel really free to do it since, you know, it's such an open and transparent, um, board, but, uh, yeah, that was just something I didn't know. So no, but I think that speaks to the culture of the school district and, yeah. and, the, and the importance of the superintendent and the school board yeah. as mm-hmm. well, because you're right. I think that in the past in, in Vancouver, um, you might've had a, a target on your back if yeah, you had spoke at public comment. Yes, um, absolutely. So um, understanding that um, with that caveat, emails and public comment are very valuable tools to use, yeah. but also understanding that you may not feel comfortable doing that. Um, in which case, I mean, there are there are school boards like ours that very much value um, that input from across the spectrum, not just teachers, but from everyone in our community. And so we tried to take steps. Um, it's been hard in the last year because you can't do anything in person, but um, trying to create um, uh, spaces that people could connect with the school board. And so trying to do, um, like we had, we did have one in, um, I think November, December, where we asked people to weigh in on, um, and it was over Zoom and it, and it worked actually better than I thought it would, um, weigh in on, on reopening and, and what the plans for reopening and how is school going and kind of being able to give us some input before we started making new decisions and changing mm. um, the, the mode of uh, education. But um, I think that if you can't, if you don't feel comfortable with the emails and the, um, and coming to meetings and speaking openly, um, if you're, if you're a staff member, uh, because your school district doesn't have that culture, then that's where the importance of um, finding, finding your advocates that can speak on your behalf. Um, we have those systems in place. Those are kind of the primary avenues for accessing your school board. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, you can also um, even send an email. Like I've had this where people email and say, hey, I'd like to meet you for coffee and to, to discuss this certain topic. Some school board directors are going to be really open to that. I'm willing to do that. Not all school board directors are going to feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to meet with teachers without representation or without other? Because some districts um, in this state of Washington, uh, school board members are not allowed to meet with um, certain stakeholders without having like somebody from central office or administration involved. Partly, I think, um, you know, to keep everyone safe slash control information. Um, you guys don't have any of those kind of restrictions? Um, I think that our former superintendent would have liked to have those, but <laughs> we don't. No, we don't. Yeah, I, that's and fantastic. I, I think it's really interesting because what I'm hearing is that the that it's all about the community or like the the structure, the feel, the vibe within a district on whether you are going to foster feedback from teachers, open communication, two way street, and. I mean, I'm absolutely biased as a teacher, but I think that that's what's going to make a school district function is having feedback from teachers because they're the ones that are doing the work. And I think that as in any organization, the the board and the superintendent or CEO are the ones that are going to be creating the culture. And so this is another reason why you should really be paying attention to who you're electing to your school board, because they are the ones that are creating the culture within that system that's going to foster healthy relationships and healthy feedback systems, which is only going to make something healthier. And and so making sure that you're electing people that value those things, asking those questions of candidates of how they are going to create and foster a a culture of respect and 
And so, like, I'm just hearing you talk about that. It's like that's a whole – that's another reason why you really should care about who's on your school board. Yeah, and often teachers, you know, I'll just speak for myself. You know, I can be the – voice for the students in my classroom too, Absolutely. you know, in, in many ways we don't, you know, like I can bring forward issues that they might have, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes if, if that culture is not, you know, um, I don't know what the word might be, just like the, you know, the, just the general culture is such that you feel comfortable coming forward and, mm-hmm. you know, being part of the process that you're just, you know, I mean, the, the more diverse ideas that you get, the, the better and stronger of a district that, that you'll be, and especially getting those voices from the classroom in there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think, so we're nearing the end of our time for our conversation, but I really do want to have at least a quick conversation. We've talked about elections, you know, school boards are elected. How do your local officials come into play with this? What is the relationship mm-hmm. between your school board and your local officials or your state representatives within your mm-hmm. district? What what should people be looking for when um, casting their vote for those positions? <laughs> I think that um, I, I hate to be the same answer, but it's going to be different, right? Um, for different districts. Uh, I live, I mean, I serve in a district that is pretty closely connected with our city council. Um but that may not be the case. You might live in a district that's that's not really near a large city. Um, uh, that relationship is really important. I think the relationship between the school district and the state, however, is even more important. Um, and again, I'm I, we live in I call it Shanger Law. Like politically, we live in the perfect <laughs> system because we have an educator who serves our district um, or represents our district, yeah. our, our community that our district is in, who's also an educator. Um, that relationship is really, really important. And I know um, through conversations with her in the past, she's been kind of frustrated with not having a better relationship um, with the district. And, th- and that has also been changing too. Um, and I think um, that kind of goes back to your point um, a second ago, Megan, which is that that culture that is fostered, like you can have a school board and a superintendent that very much wants hands off. It's our decisions. It's our district to don't want those relationships. And you can have a board that is right. very, welcoming and, and and fosters those relationships. Well, it makes me wonder, like, what is the appropriate, I mean, I don't know, it's just English teacher me. I'm like, what is that appropriate relationship? Yeah. What is that ideal That's relationship look like? Question. I mean, you even brought up city council, which I honestly, I never think about because the districts <laughs> I worked in, that was, we didn't have a relationship with city council, yeah. at least that I was aware of, right? As like a, a average teacher and averagely, average politically engaged, maybe I'm above average engaged, but I didn't even think about that part of it. So in the ideal system, what do you think is that relationship between a school board and a city council? Um, and as you mentioned, or having an educator on the state legislature, yeah, well, I what think would you like that, to see? I think that, um, the relationship, I mean, they have their purview and we have our purview. It's more of a, yeah. um, a sharing of information, sharing mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, priorities. Like, here's something that we're going to be focusing on and how can we support each other doing that? And I just think of like Vancouver, for example, the city of Vancouver has really been focused for the last several years on homelessness and and, and mm-hmm. trying to come up with solutions to um, address that issue. Well, that's definitely an issue that is important to us too in, in our schools. Yes. So what can we do to help say connect our families with those resources? What can we do to make it easier um, for their solutions that they're coming up to actually, you know, thrive? Um, and, and then also get our, our students and their families connected with those supports. 
mm-hmm. um, that's that's a shared interest. That's a shared yeah, vision. definitely. Um, and that can be really powerful. Yeah, and I think looking at where do these candidates want to put the resources, right? Where do they value? Because um, there's, you know, there's a finite amount of resources that any, you know, government has. And and right. so when you're going through the um, campaign process, focusing on where do the candidates want to focus those resources? Um, and this feels like a really good plug for another um, two, Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. Eric is, has just done another interview with a city council candidate. Um, and so if you are interested in that, which after this conversation, I really hope that you are, you're seeing how all of these systems are connected. You can go over there, listen to that, um, that episode as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, I do want to throw um, some scenarios at you all. Yes. So being really <laughs> practical uh, and Megan came up with some great scenarios that, you know, just happen to be, you know, close to real life. Just kidding. They actually are real. real uh, but <laughs> if if someone is wanting to advocate. So Megan, give us a scenario. And if the two yeah. of you can kind of speak to like, how would you approach it as a teacher? What would you go through or as a community member community, if you're not yeah. an educator? Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think as a community member or if somebody had this issue, who would you go to? What would you do? Yes. And so yep. the first scenario is um, if someone is upset with how bond money is being spent, like either used or not used, what what are some action steps that that person could take? Yeah, well, I think this this is actually this is a real scenario. This yes. happens all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, I I wish people didn't just constantly question how we're spending money, but that's a reality, right? And they, and they should be. I mean, honestly, it is. It's not. Yeah. It's the taxes taxpayers' money. It's like mm-hmm. they should be able to question it. Um, there are some values that are placed on things that maybe some people think should be a priority or shouldn't be a priority. Um, again, I email is is really helpful um i think also if you if you know um the person at district who's responsible for that project and that can be really Mm -hmm. hard to figure out right like if i'm just you know a community member and i don't know the the system or the or the different roles that people play um and that's why i think the school board one of my um primary responsibilities is to be that liaison between our community okay. and the district, right? Because they don't mm-hmm. know who to email. And so they can email me and then I can connect them with the right person. Ooh, that's a good tip. Um, that's a good tip. Uh, but I, w- <laughs> and, and, and that happens all the time. And I think that maybe people aren't, even if it's like, here's the question, but I don't know who to contact. Fine. I can help mm-hmm. you with yeah. that. Um, but I think that there, when, if it's, if it's a bigger picture thing, like I've had people, you know, email me about, playgrounds that are flooding and things like that. That's a super small thing that can be pretty easily addressed. If it's a big picture thing, um, questioning whether or not we should be spending money on a new stadium, for example, um, mm-hmm. that's more of a policy thing. That's more of a, the board is going to set the direction on that. So I am the person you should be talking mm-hmm. to. You should be talking to all of the board, um, whether that's in person at a public meeting, whether it's through email. Um, and, and you know, it's it's okay to do it more than once too, right? It's, tr- it's okay to elevate it. I think also the other um, piece if you're not, we talk about teachers not really feeling comfortable, um, that's a, a role that the union can step in and fill mm-hmm. too, right? So um, if, if it's a collective, why are we spending money on this? Um, that's something that the union can, can hopefully be an advocate for too. Good. Uh, how many times is too many times to email your school board member? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and at, at what point do you stop checking your voicemail? If, <laughs> at what point do you just hit you immediately delete um, when you hear a person's name? I mean, 
we have what we call our frequent flyers who email like daily. That's a little too much, I think. But um, I, I mean, I think it's fair to, you know, I, I've emailed and it hasn't been resolved, you know, a couple of weeks later, yeah, a month later, definitely. send another email and, and make sure it's because there is a lot going on. There's right. so much going on. And especially right now with the pandemic, which is just all consuming. And yeah. I would I would love to to say that we're done with it, but we're not done with it. Right. Um, Absolutely. And so it's it's easy for things to kind of get pushed off yes. to the side and, and yeah. forgotten about. Um, that, yeah. that happens. It's reality. Yes. So approaching yeah. it with a generous lens, not accusatory, but hey, checking right. in, following yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's an interesting point because some people get too aggressive um, and like are mad if you don't respond right away. But on the other hand, there, yeah, there's so many things going on. Having a pre- pressing again or like questioning again, you can totally do it in a respectful way. Um, that's a follow up, you know. Like we've all been there and hopefully have done that at some either either the too aggressive or the the, the <laughs> appropriate follow up. Uh, Megan, give us another scenario. All right, so like- your oh. child's specific school has implemented a policy that is going to disproportionately impact BIPOC students. What are some appropriate steps that you could take if that's happening, Bethany? You want- I, I, I mean, I think that's an. I think that's a time to get get up and give some public comments at a school board meeting. Um, I think that's a time to do some research as a parent who's you know concerned about this in their class, and you know to reach out to members of the BIPOC community that are affected, community organizations, get feedback, and show up at a and show up and give public comment. I mean, I th- that's that's the first thing that I would do. I don't know. What about you, Wendy? Um, I think that, I mean, if it's a school specific um, decision, Mm. um, then I think I would start there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a lot of times knowing, I mean, if it's a school site uh, decision, then it's probably a decision made by the principal. So you are going to have to elevate it at least a little bit. Um, But I think that, I mean, there have been these scenarios where there's a situation that happens at a building and and one, we look into it, you have to get more information um, and make sure you're looking at it kind of through a wider lens and not just one individual's um, experience, um, but also take it to um, on the next level, right? And and then it can be addressed. Uh, I think that if it's something that you have tried to address and, and it's not getting resolved and it is something that you see as being damaging, um, then absolutely you should make it more of a community awareness. Um, and that is the value of public comment over email, right? So um, in terms of access to the board, I read all the emails, I listen to all the public comment, but if you want it to make it a more of a community conversation, mm-hmm. then public comment is going to be the better fit for that. So you said if, if it's a specific school situation, right, that, that you, that's going to be a principal admin. And then you said, but if that's not effective when you go to the principal, you said, take it to the next step. What would you say is, is there an intermediate step between mm-hmm. going to an admin and then going to a school board meeting? Cause that feels like a really big jump. Is there a, yeah, an intermediate thanks. middle step that a parent could take if they aren't getting anywhere with a principal at their child's school, but doesn't necessarily feel comfortable, you know, going and making a public statement at a school board meeting? Yeah, I think that the the email, the email of the school board member, an email to the superintendent, mm-hmm. or even setting up a meeting to sit down with the superintendent and and share their concerns. That's that's a that's a medium step that you can okay. take. Um, and then if it's not resolved, because at that point now it's not just a single building, right? If you if you bring it to the school board, you bring it to the superintendent one on one, maybe not a public comment, 
mm-hmm. it's still not resolved. That's now it's that's a system thing. That's not just a building specific mm-hmm. thing. Okay. So now it does need to be elevated. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I think for time, mm-hmm. I, I think we're gonna have to shelve the other scenarios that we we have. It's such a good scenario. Okay, Let's cut okay, champagne and real pain. Champagne from a real friends, real pain from a sham friends. It was a good scenario. This is a real one that a lot of districts are dealing okay, with. Okay, so <laughs> if you find out that a local school has hired somebody that has a racist past, so maybe some, um, an initiation. Or present, racist pre- present. present like maybe in a, a Proud Boys initiation video surfaced. I don't know, like spitballing, random, um, completely fabricated imaginary stories. But say that <laughs> happened. What could a community member that maybe doesn't have a stake in education or schools, maybe they don't have children, but they're still concerned about that person being a teacher. What are some steps that they could take? What would you, what advice would you give to them? Um, that one's a little trickier because now you are going to, I mean, that, that is something again, <laughs> that needs to be addressed. That's a, that's setting the values of the system, right? Um, that's not mm-hmm. a specific hire that's reflecting something bigger, um, than just that one teacher in that one classroom in that building. Uh, However, I'm going to put my union hat on and say that's where you can't just fire someone, right? You need to mm-hmm. uh, yes. go through the pr- yeah. appropriate channels and the appropriate steps. And um, and so, I mean, that's definitely a, and that again is one of the reasons why having a positive relationship with your labor groups is also really important. Um, and that's something that a lot of school boards don't have. They have no relationship with their labor groups. But in Vancouver, that's something that's been a priority. It's something that I personally have been working hard to foster for the last four years. And so I know that I can go um, as a school board director and can go to our union president and go, what's up with this? Mm-hmm, what's going yeah. on? Give me some more information. Is this something that we need to address? Is So there are a lot of players in that scenario that need to be activated and get together and figure out how, how's the best, what's the best way to address that situation. I, I wish I could give you just an easy pat answer, right. but, that's, but there's not one. Um, that's a really tricky one, right? Because mm-hmm. you have you have free speech issues, and you've got yep, um, contract issues, and you've got mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Um, that's really a sort of a case by case scenario of how you handle that. But if a community member, maybe you know, maybe this case would be an email where you're like, maybe you're not aware right. of this, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. So is that the best way to initiate an investigation into it? Because I think even some of that people don't know, who do I call? Who do I email to initiate these things or to point out the awareness of it um, and attach screenshots, you know, or whatever, whatever the case is. Is that that how that gets that all rolling? That goes back to that, that role of the liaison, right? Between the community and the district. Um, I'm, I'm, you're going to be your point person, right? Um, And I can, I can either, I can either address it personally myself, or I can, I can pass it on to someone who needs to take care of it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So now I know your inboxes are very full, but is, if people who are listening <laughs> want to reach out to you to ask more nitty gritty questions around advocacy um, and whatnot, or if what's you're the a best way for them to run for school board and get some yes, tips or tricks and want support? Um, in that case, my best address is not my school board address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if it's politically um, connected in some way, uh, yep. but you can email. You can email my political address, which is electwendysmith at gmail.com. Perfect. We'll link that in the show notes. Bethany, how about you? Bethany Rivard at gmail.com. Um, and I want to say something about Wendy's classes for uh, that I 
her uh, teacher uh, educator election classes were amazing. And um, I know that people are working on similar things across the state to get educators in um, positions where they're able to affect policy. So, uh, so thank you so much for that. And I learned a lot from that. I can help share um, with educators who might be um, interested in taking their advocacy to the next level as well. Absolutely. Perfect. All right, final segment, Megan. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies! So this is just a segment where we leave our listeners with just a little bit of homework. We can't escape being educators ever. So if um, somebody wants to learn a little bit more about what we talked about or take some action steps. I definitely would recommend, I'm going to link to the Washington State Directors Association, WAZA, if you're interested in getting board, um, on board and running for um, an election or local election, the local school board, there's some good resources I noticed there. I also want to um, push out that Megan mentioned some of the other shows in the network that you're are doing some interesting conversations stealing, related to this topic. Stealing um, my homework. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing your homework. Yes. <laughs> but particularly, I know Nerd Farmer has had, um, or is putting out several episodes related to back to school yeah. as well. And so just encouraging everyone to tap into those episodes um, as you head into the fall here. Yeah, and I think, uh, oh, and I was going to say just um, Eric has really conducted some really great um, interviews with some local candidates over on Citizen Tacoma. And I feel like this episode really, really highlighted the importance of local elected officials and the power that they have to create community and culture. And so just being more mindful, really educating yourself of who's running for what and what do they stand for. Mm-hmm. Wendy or Bethany, anything that our listeners should do, think, try, et cetera? So I wrote down that um, our, our listeners should attend some school board meetings <laughs> to put those on their calendar mm-hmm. for the year and show up, whether it's virtually or in person, um, and just make that kind of part of what you do um, on, on a, you know, on a school year basis. And then also, you know, there's um, the Washington State Boards and Commissions um, often has a lot of boards and commissions, including Professional Educator Standards Board um, and many, many others, the State Board of Education. And I would suggest checking that out and seeing what um, boards and commissions are available at the state level and, um, and applying. Yeah, I think that if you want to get a better sense of kind of um, the school boards are the political epicenter right now, right? Like, so everything mm-hmm. is coming to the school board meetings. Um, if you want to get a better sense of some of the issues that school boards are grappling with, um, and like I mentioned earlier, some of the political theatrics that are happening, which is kind of frightening in some cases, um, just spend some time, honestly, just Google school boards and you'll see a whole list of um, local news articles of what local school boards are going through. Um, mm-hmm. And it's frightening in some places. Um, it's really, really um, concerning what you're seeing happening at school boards, school board meetings. And I would agree with Bethany, go to your local school board meeting or if they're still doing it over Zoom like mm-hmm. we are, log in and see what's happening. Because um, we've had a couple interesting ones in our in our district and we're a pretty progressive district. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you the time, so much. Um, this morning. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. This was super fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you, Bethany, for... for uh, <laughs> thank you, Wendy. I would like to toast some champagne to you. You were going to be my champagne, so... <laughs> Perfect. Bye. 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 Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? 
I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. And before you ask, it's Smith. <laughs> just ch- checking. Just to really check the phonetics of it. I really appreciate that. Uh, that was good. That was good. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.